Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. This is the best of the Joe Show, running back some of the best audio you've heard on this radio station over the past 24 hours. Hello, hello, hello. I am Dan Day on Inner Miami Play Day. That's right. The MLS is back. Inner Miami against Boo Orlando City SC in about two hours from now. I am so stoked for that. Also stoked to share some of the Joe Rose Show with you. Earlier today, they talked to the U's AD, Blake James. Then the Dan Lebetard show, they remain on vacation, but their fill-ins talk to seriously. My man, Derek Panamski, he works with the LSU football team. He and I have worked at radio stations in the past in Louisiana. Seriously, I texted him earlier today. He said I was going to be featuring him on the Best of the Joe show. He texts back, miss ya, love ya, yeah. LSU, the football team did recently get their national championship rings at a social distance gathering. So that's going to be interesting to hear. Always interesting with Hawk and Dono, the Sun Pass Derby hype montage and more. We're getting hype for that. But right now, let's get into some headlines. Kansas City Chiefs say this year Arrowhead Stadium will have a reduced capacity of fans in order to fight the spread of coronavirus. As the Heat enter the NBA bubble in Orlando today, Pat Riley and Mickey Arison will stay back but announce they will watch games in person under certain circumstances. The MLS's back tournament kicks off tonight in Orlando at 8 with Inter-Miami taking on Orlando City. The league's hiatus has been 17 weeks. Colin Kaepernick has signed a deal with Disney to not only produce a documentary about his career but also shows about race in America. Dennis Rodman will not face trial for a Delray Beach bar slapping incident back in May of last year. Pro Golf has announced that the Ryder Cup has been delayed until 2021, while the President's Cup has been pushed back to 2022. And now, we take a step into the day spa. (sighs) A female cyclist in Canada recently rode her bike almost 4,000 miles in just 20 days. That is a long way to go for some Labatt's Blue. A young boy claims a ghostly lady comes into his bedroom nightly and puts stuff on his feet. Mmm, a ghost foot fetish. The new food craze in Germany? Sausage vending machines. Put them next to a beer vending machine and I'm in heaven. A 62-year-old man was recently treated for a four-hour erection. Although coronavirus can cause blood clots leading to extended erections, COVID-19 is said to have not caused this individual case. Nonetheless, I bet something like that makes it tough to social distance. 
Now on the weather, tonight's forecast, rainy with temperatures in the low 80s. The Joe Rose Show, they get up in the morning and they get your sports to you. This morning, Joe Rose, Zach Krantz, Hollywood, talking to the athletic director at the University of Miami, Blake James, about how the U is approaching the football season in this world of COVID-19. Also, will there be spring football instead? Outlines? on how the university is testing and ugh, the finances of college football. Blake, we're staying home. I've been home so long, I, I can't get in trouble here, except I'm driving <laughs> my family just absolutely nuts. I, I'm convinced that my two daughters and my wife hate me. I'm shocked by that. Well, I, I really am. We'll have to see what their annual evaluation of your behavior is, Joe. And, uh, I guess- <laughs> hey, Blake, uh, we're all wondering, the test testing and the numbers going up in Dade County, mm-hmm. how do you start college football on time down here as, as one of the hot areas for, for the growth of the COVID-19 right now? Well, I think the good news is, Joe, we're still a, a ways away from the season, but I will say when you look at what's happened over the last few weeks, it definitely gives you, a, I guess, a, a much more uh, concerning look than uh, where we were at um, in just a few weeks ago back in, in June where uh, we really felt things were starting to make progress, and, and obviously this spike now creates a lot of challenges for that, and that's something that we're seeing across the country. Obviously, Miami is a, is a hot spot, but bike and COVID has really picked up across the country, and I would say collectively in the conversations I've had with a lot of my colleagues, I think there's you know a, a real concern, but the, the positive is September's still a ways off. We have uh, a lot of time in between, and I think uh, a lot of things that we all can do to uh, help slow that spike, and uh, hopefully that's what we have, and hopefully we're able to start right at the beginning of September as scheduled. The other one you know everybody's been talking about nationally is moving the schedule to spring. We've already seen the Ivy League come out and say that they're going to play seven games against conference. Is that one of the things you guys have to start looking at as as well, trying to play a college football spring schedule? I think it's one of the things that we've looked at starting way back in March, Joe, to be honest. Uh, you know, it's one where this time has, has just really been a, a lot of modeling a number of different scenarios. I think where we're getting, Joe, is to the point where there's a lot of levers that can be pulled, and it's, it's setting up timelines as to when we would pull those levers, and whether that to start the season as, as scheduled, to, you know, again, moving the season earlier, to moving the season later, to moving it to the spring. So there's a, a, a lot of different scenarios that can play out and I think have been evaluated. I think where we're at right now is we've continued to evaluate what the situation is, but I do think we're getting to that point where we're going to have to make some decisions in the coming weeks that will really shape what the fall sports landscape will look like. Like we've seen reports from other colleges around the country about a uh, number of players, a number of uh, students, student athletes that have uh, gotten COVID-19. What, what's the uh, thought process uh, from the University of Miami and from you guys of not disclosing how many players, if they have any players that have got COVID-19 since your testing on campus begun? Well, it's, such a, it's such a fluid thing, Zach, when you when you get into testing and contact tracing and, and, and tracking. And, and so, you know, we, we put out uh, a pretty extensive plan that our, our great leadership at U-Health had put together for us in, in bringing our staff and student-athletes back. And so when you look at it, you're testing everyone that is is really, uh, we don't have a bubble, uh, just, you know, like you hear about the NBA talking about a bubble, but we do have a, a facility that, that we have people coming back into. And, and whether those are individual staff members that have contracted the virus, do 
student athletes potentially contract the virus, then the contact tracing that goes with that, what that means in terms of those people being required to quarantine and all that. It's just there, there's so many different moving pieces to it that on, on one day you can have someone who tests positive and then what is that impact and then do other people test positive from it? And so uh, rather than getting, and obviously we can't ever release names due to HIPAA, but we just felt that it wasn't something that was productive or helpful to be putting all sorts of different numbers out there because I think a lot of times it just gets more and more confusing. Let's get back to the other part. Uh, if, you, if you do have to move, and, and you guys have talked about a lot of different things, and I'm sure you have, do you expect the Power Five will make a decision together, or, or do you think conferences will do it separately? How, how do you feel it will play out? My gut is, Joe, that it'll be a decision that collectively the, the Power Five come to a, a decision as to what the fall sports season will look like. I'm guessing that the group of five, the other you know five conferences that, that play FBS football, will follow suit. I know that uh, Commissioner Swafford's been in, in regular, commis- uh, regular conversations with the, the four other commissioners of the other four autonomy conferences, and uh, my, my gut is that we will collectively come to some type of an agreement, and that's the direction that we'll move. If I was to bet, I would bet the, the group of five will, will move in that same direction, whatever, whatever decision yeah. that ultimately ends up being. Could you see it all conference games and, uh, and letting everything else go in and just playing the meat of, uh, of the schedule? Could you see it that way? Yeah, I, I can. Uh, again, I okay. think when, when, again, when you, you look back to just the, what we just talked about with the testing and, and setting up standards and, and having it feel the team we're putting on the field is gone through the same, uh, I guess, safety precautions that the team we're lining up has, has gone through. I, I think there can be some challenges in, in getting everyone to a certain agreement. I think that's what we're working as as a conference, and I know we're working at it as, as an autonomy group. Hopefully we get to that point where it uh, it allows us to feel comfortable enough to take our team and put it on the field against uh, another ACC opponent or even a, another opponent out of out of conference. But I think that's 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 the biggest challenge right now, which is why, to answer your question, I could see it maybe being easier that you get to conference-type agreements versus a collective national approach or even an autonomy approach. So, again, while I wouldn't say that's definitely the road we're going down, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if it was one that uh, we ended up deciding was, was ultimately the best decision, given all the variables that are going into this. In the news or the talk about the possibility of maybe moving the season uh, you know, back, and if it is spring, is there a, a kind of of collective thought process on players maybe not playing because they're getting ready for the draft or that you know they don't want to get hurt right before their NFL career starts is that a fear for ADs and head coaches that if we do move it back we might lose guys that don't want to play to get ready for the NFL I don't know that fear is 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 the is the right word um, I think the I would look at it as is more you know you know opportunity I mean take a, a young man in a program comes back for his his senior year or you know even another year after they could have you know went into the draft last year and moved forward and, and you hate to not have them have that opportunity and I think if if the likelihood that if it moves to a spring season, the likelihood that they would then take advantage of that opportunity becomes, I think, smaller to, to your point. I think there's some guys that would decide that it's just the focus of, of going uh, going on to the next level, and that's what they're going to focus their time on. And, and then what is the impact of that on the other 100 guys on, on the team, and, and, and what does that look like? And so that's part of the conversation. Now, at the end of the day, if we decide that, that spring makes the most sense, I'm sure that the direction will go. I just don't know that uh, collectively 
certainly that there's a lot of people that believe that's the right spot to be right now. And then you look at what's the carryover to you know future seasons and, and those types of things. And so it's one where there's a, there's a lot of different uh, ways that this can this can play out. And as I said earlier, I know a lot of them have been evaluated. I'm sure there's some that uh, we haven't put much thought into. You know, the, the challenge is now it's getting to that that timeline as to what levers have to be pulled at what point in order to right. make these types of decisions. Like uh, besides the Power Five conferences, everybody says, well, the Power Five, they'll be fine. They're set up to, to do it. What happens to the rest of them? Is there concern? The guys outside the Power Five that play Division One football, there's some conferences and independent. What happens to those guys? They're in big trouble if you guys for some reason decide to take them off the schedule what could you see that could that could be bad huh bad news so you're talking from a financial perspective joe yeah ab- absolutely trying to play with oh. with no butts and seats and no contracts and depending on playing you guys to get checks that that's a tough one this fall is going to be a financial a financial hit for everyone i think what you know just first look at the the challenges gone through a society and we've had you know millions of people across the country that have lost jobs and i'm sure a lot of those people are people who buy season tickets and right and go out and support their teams. And so there's going to be a financial hit for everyone in this. Even if, if everything from today went forward as best as we could hope for, I think there's still going to be some type of financial hit this fall. Is there is there an impact to non-autonomy teams on guarantee games? Yeah, but I would say the autonomy level in, in many cases, and, and probably just about every case, the financial impacts are, are probably greater when you look at the size stadiums and the number of people that are buying yeah. buying tickets in, in, those, in those types of situations. And so... I think there'll be a financial impact for for everyone. There probably are some uh, autonomy programs that uh, have a you know a large uh, reserve in place that may be able to handle it better than everyone, but everyone else. But it, it's gonna it's gonna hit everyone financially, and and that's just the reality of, of where we're at. And uh, I know different schools will take different steps throughout the process in, in terms of trying to mitigate that loss. I will say we're blessed to you know with great leadership at the University of Miami who have a, a, a tremendous appreciation for our sports and. You know that our president, uh, Dr. Frank, and senior leadership team have have really worked with us on looking at different scenarios, and and we've laid those out as to here's all the different models we believe could happen from a financial impact and, and what that right. will mean. And um, again, I'm sure that's what those other schools are doing. But yeah, to your point, this is this is going to be this is going to be a financial hit for everyone. You know, it's one that honestly, Joe, if you look at some of the smaller programs, and I'll only use my experience at Maine by not playing games or playing fewer games, there's probably some expense savings that there's not revenues to offset it. And so, right. you know, for some smaller programs, again, and I've never worked at an Ivy League school, but uh, if you look at the Ivies, I mean, there's not huge TV contracts. There's not huge sold-out stadiums. There are still a lot of the same expenses that we have at our level. And so they're definitely going to lose any revenue they would realize. I'm not sure what the difference is between the revenue and expenses for them. And it may be actually a situation where programs at that level, the expenses you're recouping more than offset the revenues you lose. And I, hey. and I'm and I'm confident that's not the case at the right. at the autonomy level. If you lose TV and, and the ticket revenue, can, can you put your public health uh, expert hat on for just a second? You, you've got a hundred plus players. What just run me through a day and and your biggest concerns 
for, for all these players. They're coming from different places, doing different things. They're young guys. Just take me through as you get up in the morning your biggest concerns and getting through uh, stuff and, and getting players to change certain certain things to try to stay healthy. I think, Joe, it, what it comes down to is is just changing habits. And, and we see that in, in the community. Again, there's been there's been a push for, for everyone to wear masks on every every opportunity that they can. Obviously, you can't wear a mask while you're eating something, but to, to wear a mask constantly. And I think that the thing that we've worked, uh, talked with our young people, uh, both in our men's and women's sports, about is what they're doing when they're away from our when they're away from our facility. Because when they're in our facility, I'm confident that they're going to be following all the rules that, that we've put in place: social distancing, to unnecessary contact with others, to sanitary protocols, to obviously wearing their mask. But when they go home and, and when they go out in the community and, and they're with friends, either that are, are with the program or that maybe aren't involved in the program or they're with family or whatever it is, is everyone doing all those steps? that we're really working with them to be actively uh, participating right. in when they're in our facility. And I think that's that's the challenge that we have with each each one of our each each one of our people in our in our program, whether that's staff or or students, right. is what are what are all the habits that they're practicing when they're not in, in our facility. Because again, when we're in our facility, again, it's not a bubble, but I, I feel that given all the thought and 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 in people who are public health experts, which I, I'm definitely not, but uh, I'm blessed to be able to have their their guidance in this. When you look at the system we've put in place, I'm I'm not as concerned, and that's not to say anything can't happen at our facility, but I'm not as concerned as in our facility as the other hours in the day that they're not in our facility right. and they're just out in the community and, and you don't have either everyone in the community following those guidelines or even people wanting just to maybe fit in and if everyone's not wearing a mask, well, I'm not going to wear a mask and, and that's the approach that we can't take. We need everyone, if people want college sports, I'll, I'll say that, we need we need everyone to buy in and, and follow the guidelines that are being put out there and, um, and listening to our public health experts, which again, I'm not one. No, no, I, I know that. Sports, right, right. So I'm, I'm, li- I'm listening yeah. to what they say. Hey, by the way, real quickly, how often do you test the players? How often are they getting tested at the school right now? It varies. It varies in terms of, uh, of different situations, but you know, Joe, I would say that you know, based on the plan that we have in, in place on average the usually that they're going to be tested uh, every few weeks again that ramps up at, at different times but um, it's a you know it's a plan that uh, is well laid out there's not a, a specific answer to your question because it's going to vary for different individuals based on on what the situation is but I would say safe answer to say is everyone's getting tested every few weeks some more often I would say that's uh, probably at uh, the best way to answer that question without yeah. going into each individual and, and saying okay this person is going to test on and this date and this date and this date because of this and this one's only going to do this date because of this again there's just I think a lot of different factors that go into determining who's testing I hope we never have to go through this uh, again right. so we have right. to sit here and bomb you with what ifs with everything so we, we really appreciate you coming on thank you so much and uh, hopefully we do get some good news and people follow what they're supposed to do and, and we can get things get the numbers going the right direction and have our football back thank you right. no Joe it's great to be on with you guys appreciate the coverage as always and, and like you just said I think the biggest thing that, you know, hopefully the message that we have people take out of this is if we want college sports and, and in this case specifically college football we just need everyone really to buy into the, the, the guidelines that the, the government experts are, are putting out there on, and whether those change and, and become different it is uh, regardless we need people to, to follow those and, and really uh, do it all we can to, to bring an end to this and uh, yeah I'm hoping we don't have to have these conversations again in the future uh, but uh, you know happy to talk with you guys anytime something comes up
After hearing that from Blake James, I'm less confident about college football starting on time in the fall with at least some fans in the stands. We'll just take it day by day and day by day. The Joe Rose Show going to be on mornings from 5 to 10 a.m. right here on 560 The Joe. Getting the information and having the fun that you need. Speaking of fun, in just a few minutes, we're going to hear from my guy, Derek Panamski put the, the boxes with the rings underneath each, each chair, and then when the time came, the player was able to reach under their chair and, and, and get their ring. So it was a really cool moment, and it was something very fun to be a part of. A social distancing national championship football ring ceremony at LSU. Very interesting. Hold tight for that here on the Best of the Joe Show. This is the best of the Joe Show, running back some of the best audio you've heard on this radio station over the past 24 hours. I am Dan Day, and happy birthday to the one and only Beck, 50 years old today. Beck, one of the major alternative rock artists I've never seen perform live. For years, I was in the alternative rock game here in radio, South Louisiana, kind of all over the globe. Never got to see Beck. I know at one point he was touring, but not actually going out on stage. He was performing live, but he was behind a stage that had marionettes of he and his band performing. That would have been totally cool. Beck, definitely not a loser. You know who's not a loser, but rather a winner? The LSU football program. National champions, baby. I'm an alma mater. I went there. Alumnus. Enjoyed my time there. And... One of the big wigs of the LSU football program, Derek Panamski. He is my guy. Seriously. When I was at the Alt Rock station, he worked at the sports station under the same roof. So he and I would hang out. We talk music. We talk LSU. We talk sports. Eventually, he did transition from radio to being, like I said, a big wig with the LSU football program. And earlier today, he joined the Dan Lebitard show to talk about some interesting stuff like the Tigers social distance national championship ring ceremony that's interesting also shopping cart etiquette how lsu is preparing to defend that national championship especially in this day and age and then my man Derek panamski talks more rings and things one of my favorite people for my favorite teams, Derek Pomansky, a.k.a. kind of the chief of staff for LSU football. And here's the most important question that we're going to start with, and I don't know, they'll all disintegrate after this question. When you go to the supermarket, Derek, okay? We're doing this again. Yes, we are, because Chris needs to be taught a lesson. When you go to the supermarket and you're done with your shopping cart, have you ever mm-hmm. just left the cart in the middle of the parking lot? People who don't return their grocery cart to the collection area are scum. You know need to bring your cart back to where it comes from. It is just being a good civic partner. I've got to presume that if, if you can't do that, then you're not going to follow other rules. So bring it back to where it comes from. Chris Cody, you would like to retort here? It's just, this is just going to be, everyone's going to say the same thing. You're not, the way you set up that question, by the way, you're leading them to the It is a little leading. You, it is a little leading. You, you should just end it. it. Just, yes, you should just end just, it with I'm, where I'm, do you I'm, leave it? Not, I'm do you done, leave it I'm in the middle? I'm done responding to this. I'm done okay. responding to this. Well, you we want you to be done responding to it because it's a terrible answer. And Derek, I appreciate that because yesterday I said people were scum of the earth and he used the exact word scum. So we are on the same page on this. Thank you. 
There you Thank go, you, Kate. Obviously, let's start with this and not shopping carts. But how are you guys getting prepared right now? Is it a 24-hour by 24-hour look at the headlines, get ready for LSU football in the fall? Is it week to week? How, how is this team preparing to defend their title? What we've done internally here is that uh, we understand we've got great leadership with Scott Woodward and Verge Osbury and, and, and medically with Shelly Mullinex and Jack Marucci. So what we've done from following Coach O's lead. In May, when we brought the staff back, we went, you know, we have it where as soon as you come in in the morning, they take your temperature, everybody's masked, plenty of opportunities to, to get sanitized. So we were able to do that for a few weeks before the players came back. Since then, we've been able to take that information that we've we kind of gathered there and made it a little bit more thorough for the players. So what we're doing is we're preparing as though the season's going to happen. And then our leadership, who's involved in the top down and making sure that all the, the right decisions are made for player safety, player health, for the health of all of our support staff and coaching staff. And so they're going to make the right decisions on that. What we can do is all we can do, which is right now prepare as though the season's going to happen and then be able to adapt and adjust uh, in, in the event that things were changed or shifted or whatever. But for right now, doing everything we can to make sure that if the season is played as scheduled, we're ready to go. So there's all there's these protocols and parameters set up, right? When the athletes are in your facility and they're working out or when they start practicing here in a few weeks together. But there's obviously this concern of what happens when your athletes leave the facility and they go back to their dorms or their apartments or their homes and what they do with their friends or during their free time. What are the conversations like with the coaches, with their players right now of, hey, we need to be taking this seriously because what you do outside of football matters even more? Yeah, certainly, Katie. To kind of the information that we've been able to gather and educate our guys has been something that's been, you know, kind of at the forefront here. Coach O and, and, and when we have our Zoom team meetings, you always make sure that Shelly comes on and gives an update of what's happening and, and kind of relays again and again to, to, to let these guys know this is what we're doing right. This is what we have to get better at. And, and so there's always been an opportunity to educate and, and, and not just from the players perspective. There's a lot of us on the staff here because truly nationwide, we're all dealing with the same issue here. And, and so when we talk to, to friends that are on different staffs across the country or even guys that we know in the National Football League, we're all trying to, whereas usually you're very parochial in terms of your information. You don't want to get outside of your building. With this, I think we're all working together for the greater good, and that's to make sure that we do everything as safe as possible for the players and to make sure that everybody is doing similar things. That way we can ensure that when we do get to the point in time when everyone feels comfortable that college football is going to be played, that we're able to come in and know that everyone across the board is doing that as well. You guys got really fancy rings, a couple of them yesterday, national championship rings. Who the hell designs these things? Like, how, like talk, Walk me through this process of getting a championship ring. You, you've been someone who's been very close to our program. Last couple of years, you've come in and, and, and emceed our, our award ceremony. And that wasn't just because Tom Hart wasn't available either. You were Thank our you. first pick. <laughs> no Appreciate question that. about that. Uh, but what we were able to do for the last couple of years, talk a little bit about you know what the ultimate goal would be. And, and Greg Stringfellow, who's our associate athletic director for athletic equipment, and Louis Bourgeois, who's our director of football equipment, the three of us got together and we talked with Coach O. And, you know, Coach O's, he's a very thorough guy. He's very detailed and planned, uh, but but he was very kind of kind of general in this. And he says, look, guys, I just want to make sure we give the guys the best things that we the best thing that we can. And so for us, when you win the Southeastern Conference Championship, you win the College Football Playoff Championship, and then you get a national championship ring, we were able to design three rings. And so that gave us a lot of options and flexibility in terms of saying, well, we don't have to cram everything into one ring. So we were able to do a lot of things. And for us, 
having a program like LSU football where you have a lot of history and a lot of tradition, uh, but you also have things that kind of unique and specific to this 2019 season. So we were able to do that on those three rings. And, and it was a fun process. And certainly the, the highlight was last night for, for us to finally see the players get the rings because, you know, with the COVID shutdown, we weren't able to have the event that we would like to have around Pro Day and in, in, in our spring game when all of our guys are, were going to be back in town. So we were able to make sure that we were safe as safe an environment as we could to get the guys together. We held it in our indoor. We had the, the, the chairs spaced out, you know, four yards apart. Everybody was masked up. The, the equipment staff put the, the boxes with the rings underneath each, each chair. And then when the time came, the player was able to reach under their chair and, and, and get their ring. So it was a really cool moment and it was something very fun to be a part of last question when you put do you do you actually draw this out is there like a ring designer dude that just sits there and goes all right here's what you're thinking like a sketch artist and they put it together what's that process like talked about it a little bit on on off the bench with jordy and t-bob this morning that we had greg and lewis and myself for the last couple of years to talk about when we win a championship this we wanted to look like so we've we've had some you know i guess you'd say cocktail napkins with things scrambled on there that uh, different ideas that we had but you're right once you get to the point in time where you win the Southeastern Conference Championship, you're playing for, for the National Championship, it gets a little bit more specific. So yeah, we worked with Justin. They came in. Uh, they had their their one of their, their top designers work with us, and we made sure within the confines that we had within our budget, uh, because there are limits to how much we can spend on these rings. We did everything we could to make it as nice as possible for these guys. And when we when we got a chance to show it to Coach O, he was very excited about it. And then since then, you know, we've been able to give it to our team, and, and they've been excited about it as well. It's been a unique situation for us dealing with all the COVID stuff. So for us to be able to to kind of tie up the, the 2019 season right here at the end of this with, with, with the ring ceremony was, was pretty cool. Katie, I've, I've emceed their football awards back-to-back years. They are undefeated since I've taken the podium. So I, I imagine the mm, ring... I'll again, check the, I'll check the mail today, to Katie, to see if my, uh, my ring came in. Derek Pomanski, LSU football buddy. We'll talk to you soon, all right? Thanks, Derek. You guys take care. The Polish Prince. They mispronounced it. It's Derek Pomanski. Not getting too much into the weeds, but that's my guy. Worked together for a long time. Now we are brethren when it comes to LSU. He's working in the LSU football department. Told him I'd say this. Go Tigers. Also, go enter Miami CF and go Hawk and Dono. The MLS meal looked like Solana's turkey burger sandwich that we talked about. Food and getting hype for the big soccer match tonight. That's next on the Best of the Joe Show. This is the best of the ticket, running back some of the best audio you've heard on this radio station over the past 24 hours. I am Dan Day, and let's get into some Hawk and Dono talking NBA food. Uh, Deshaun Jackson, and oh yeah, the Sun Pass Derby hype montage. The wait is over. Today. Defines a moment in history. Sports rivalries shape America. Yankees, Red Sox, Lakers, Celtics, Chestnut, Kobayashi, and now Inner Miami, Orlando City. A scoreless draw just won't cut it. The men in pink are coming for blood. Today, men become warriors in 
the Sun Pass Derby. One team has done nothing in its existence. The other destined for greatness. Don, Don Garber, Garber presents, presents the MLS is back. Where do we even start? No, that was amazing, Solana and Dan Day. It's the Hockman and Crowder Show, Loco Hour on a Wednesday. Got Alex Dono in for Channing Crowder. It is Inter-Miami game night. And did you get the chills listening to that, Dono? I didn't think I'd, I could possibly be more pumped for the game tonight. And then I heard that, and now the Sun Pass Derby, baby. I cannot wait. Now, uh, a couple questions I have there, Solana. I'm guessing you wrote that. And anything that you have Dan Day voice sounds poetic to me, but that might be because I know Dan Day. They're coming for blood? Was that true? They're coming for blood? The men in pink. The men in pink, yes, are coming for blood. All right. I mean, they're a little, little questionable during the days of COVID and, uh, and contagious virus, but whatever. Uh, I'm with it. They're coming for blood. And then uh, what else was there? It's Don Garber Presents. Don Garber, our very own Don Garber, even though he's not our own. Well, he's not our very own. Right, but he's our very own Don Garber Presents. But we have no attachment to Don Garber. Uh, Has he ever loose, been on the show? No, but a loose no. attachment. A loose attachment. We are the only show, radio show no in the United attachment. States. No attachment. There's no attachment. It's debatable. The only show in the United All States right. that... As uh has glorified Don Garber. I think I, I feel very comfortable saying that. All right. And then uh, what else? The uh, the the Sun Pass Derby. Now, did you coin that? Yeah, a lot of a lot of different names being thrown out there. Dono, I'm sure you've heard uh, El, uh, El Tropico, I'm sure, is one that's being thrown out there. Oh, like El Clasico, but this would be right. El Tropico because right. we're in Florida. I like that. Right. I like that, too. I also like uh, the Turnpike Derby, but that just doesn't sit right for yeah. some reason. The Sun Pass. Uh-huh. Pass Derby, though. Unique to uh-huh. Florida, the Sun Pass, of course, to South Florida. This is a Derby, a Derby, as Chris Whittingham would call it. And this uh-huh. is, again, the day that will define South Florida sports history. It's the Sun Pass Derby. I'm all in. All right. I kind of think all those sound corny, except for the one that I like that Solana didn't mention there is Florida Classico. I mean, it's, you know, you don't have to put in I like a El Tropico. That, that, that's not bad. It kind of reminds me of uh, the two teams in L.A. They call their Derby El Trafico, which is clever, right? I mean, that's, <laughs> that's really funny. That's really funny. So yeah, I'll, I'll give you El Tropico sounds all right, and I think uh, Florida Classico sounds good. A lot like the the Sun Pass Derby or the Turnpike Derby, a little bit corny to me. All right. Well, there is Inter Miami soccer tonight. Proper football, as uh, idiots call it. Tonight, eight o'clock. Excited and at the Hockman household. We are going to be ordering in a pizza. Uh, and we're going to watch a little family event here at the Hockman House. And I think a lot of people in South Florida. I mean, you have sports returning tonight. Actual on the field or on the pitch sports 
returning tonight, stuff that has stakes and meaning, and uh, it's uh, it's a, a little bit exciting, no? Right? Yeah, absolutely. Especially just the, the opportunity that MLS and Inter Miami have to be weeks ahead of the NBA, you know, weeks ahead of baseball, the NHL. Like, yeah, I mean, there have been some individual sports happening, and NASCAR and golf and tennis have been going on, but to be the first American team sport to return from this pandemic, and listen, I, I know that the MLS is not on par in popularity with the other leagues I mentioned, but maybe this is a little something that can help them close the gap a little bit because all yes. eyes are going to be on them tonight on ESPN. Very excited about it. So you got sports. Today is a very big day in Miami sports history. Today is the 10-year, official 10-year anniversary of the decision. LeBron deciding to come here. We'll talk about that this afternoon. I have to say, I'm not outraged by the dinners that are being served to NBA players. I know we're supposed to be outraged at everything nowadays. Have you seen any of these tweets from, you know, the, the NBA? Because the NBA players, they go to Orlando and they get like a, a dinner. They have to sequester for three days. And then right. they'll be able to go out, by the way, in the bubble. Like there's restaurants they can order food in or whatever. But for like the first three days, they have to have the NBA provide them with the meals and stuff. Are you outraged by their meals? I'm not. I don't know. I don't no. know if I'm supposed to be. I'm looking at a photo of one right now. It really doesn't look that bad, like especially if you compare it to the photos that were going around last week of the MLS box meal. Right. Like like right. Co compared compared to that, this is like prime 112. Right. That looked like uh, the MLS meal looked like Solana's turkey burger sandwich it did. that we talked about. Uh... It looked better than Solana's, <laughs> but close. But now I, I am a little more outraged at the WNBA accommodations. I don't know if you saw any of those. No. But that's a little embarrassing. Now they're at the IM. G Academy. They're not at, at Disney, but like if you saw their laundry room, I saw pictures yesterday. I mean, literally like rat traps are out and open. It just, just like that. I was a little bit outraged by if you're going to, you know, have a, a professional league. I mean, it should be a little more professional than that. Solana, were you outraged by the NBA dinners last night that were being posted on social media? Not at all. Looked, uh, looked fine to me. Yeah. I, I didn't, I didn't understand that. I got an annoying tweet yesterday regarding Deshaun Jackson. We were talking about Deshaun Jackson at the beginning of yesterday's show. And I was saying, yeah, like I don't I don't have room in my life for knuckleheads. So for me, like Deshaun Jackson, I, I don't want him to get caught. I don't really care. Uh what he said was gross what he tweeted was gross. He apologized twice since then. Steven Jackson has now come out and uh and supported what Deshaun Jackson was tweeting, which is so me personally, I write off Steven Jackson, Deshaun Jackson. Ice Cube has tweeted out what I believe is some anti-Semitic stuff. Roger Waters from Pink Floyd, I believe he's anti anti-Semitic, so I wrote off Pink Floyd. I don't listen to their music. You know, but it's very easy for me to just write that off, and I go, okay, I'm, I'm gonna go on with my life. Like, they're dumb, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna worry about it. I got this tweet yesterday after the show that just said, you know, you talked all this talk for a couple of weeks after George Floyd about Black Lives Matter, and you didn't talk at all about Deshaun Jackson. My family and I have lost all respect for you. And so I did tweet back, and I said, you obviously didn't listen to the show, because I talked about it at the beginning of the show. But I just wanted to point this out. There's a reason that Black Lives Matter and George Floyd needed to be talked about and still needs to be talked about in a very vociferous level. The police 
are not something that you can write off. When the guy tweeted me back and he's like, okay, I, I must have missed it at the beginning of the show, but I hope you talk about it for the next two weeks. And all I want to say was, I can write off Deshaun Jackson. He's got no power, right? He's got money. He's got fame. He right. has no power. He has no power over me. The police... Uh, have power over people. And that's why it needs to be talked about. And that's why the conversations need to be had. So if you think I should be as outraged, the Deshaun Jackson tweets and Steven Jackson stupidity, the way that I was outraged by George Floyd's murder on videotape by police officers, you're crazy. They're not equivalent. And again, one guy I can write off. I don't have to have any interaction with Deshaun Jackson my entire life. I don't have to root for him. I just don't care. The police are a part of everyone's everyday lives. You can't just write it off. And so to me, that's the difference. And I want I wanted to broach that because I couldn't I couldn't explain that on Twitter. There's not enough characters. So I just said, you know what? I'll I'll just I'll broach it at the beginning of the show so you can understand where I'm coming from on that stuff. The Deshaun Jackson stuff was stupid. He apologized and okay. I'm not his fan. I, like whatever. Steven Jackson, I know he went through something very difficult with George Floyd because it was a good friend. Uh, but that doesn't, you know, that doesn't uh, make it okay for me to say that what Deshaun Jackson said was right. And obviously I'm Jewish. I come I come at this through the prism of being Jewish. And I don't want to hear people say lies about Jews and, uh, and, and I don't like it. But I also say those guys they don't have any power in my life. Like there's no, there's, like I can, I can discount it. I can write it off. I was an Ice Cube fan. He seems to be anti Semitic to me on Twitter. I'm not an Ice Cube fan anymore. But that's it. Like, I don't have anything else about it. And I think Black Lives Matter and, and the George Floyd murder and numerous murders, by the way, uh, that needs constant voicing because the police have a tremendous amount of power in our society. And so that's the, the difference. All right. I appreciate you allowing me that moment. I am an inner Miami fan, so I am going to get ready and watch the match. I am also Dan Day, and I would like to thank you for listening to the best of the Joe Show. Later, slug. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.